Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend, Morissex. Good to be back with you, pal. Nice to see you, although I'm a little confused. I, I might be in the wrong studio. My script says we're starting with Golden Age. Nope. But, um, nope. No, I decided to use an example of being allowed to say whatever you want, okay? <laughs> complete and utter nonsense and the masses love it okay we proceed that's what the beatles did okay john lennon wrote the song okay great song so that's the that is the beatles like as you know fish is the the world's greatest cover band yes. so that once again is fish covering the beatles all right and the song doesn't make any sense. If you listen to the lyrics, it's, it's borderline gibberish. So Lennon wrote the song to confound listeners who had been affording serious scholarly interpretations of the Beatles lyrics. Okay. Really? <laughs> okay. Apparently at that point they hadn't discovered psilocybin because okay. that'll make sense out of anything. Right. So, right. Did you have a good week? Um, yeah, dude, I love watching the market get caned. I get a kick out of that. Um, I, I'm, God, it makes me sad. You are, you are in for a life of misery. Oh, come on. Because it just doesn't happen that much. Because like in my lifetime, stocks have only gone up. Um, I know. I you know, know. so I, and you know, dude, and you know, I love the stock market because there's so many good stories. Like there's just the story after story and the stories change, you know, and then everyone has a new opinion on the story. And there's dude, the, nobody operates in more hypotheticals than the stock market. Okay? You have, you have, um, what's a welcome to the parlor said the spider to the fly. Um, <laughs> So just to address a couple of things, first of all, <clears throat> apparently you had mentioned in the previous episode that some people had kind of wondered if I took down the comment section because my puts had gone sideways. Um, no, uh, we're having some staffing issues which are in the midst of being resolved. Um, good news, excuse me, great news, the Ibwok t-shirts have arrived. Wow. So, um, yeah. So now we need to figure out how about how to go about distributing them. So give us a couple of days. The website. Uh, stop, stop. Because I got an email this morning. It's like they fucking know. Okay, bro. I got an email this morning that was like, hey, can you add me to Anthony's Peter's newsletter? Of course. Last sentence of the email. And by the way, if those two-year T-shirts come in anytime soon. They're here. But wait, but wait, there's more. So this is where it's going to get sticky for you because he's in Australia. <laughs> okay. So I, I figured out how we're going to do this. Okay. Um, th this is my plan. I haven't tested it out. But I think what we'll probably do is this. Um, if somebody wants a T-shirt, they will need to uh, email you a PDF uh, prepaid label. Yeah, okay. And I will stick it in a box. Okay, yep. And Brilliant. drop yep. it off at the post office. That's what, that's before we go uh, to press on that, you and I need to discuss it. But sure, sure. I have, you know, those flat rate 
boxes that so I'll figure out what size yeah. box we need. Mm -hmm. And then if they want a t-shirt, they can PDF the prepaid label with their own return address on it. Mm -hmm. And Great. then I'll stick it in the box and I'll drop it at the post office. And that's Perfect. yeah. Because you know, um there there's no charge. How can you charge for something that's priceless? Right? <laughs> it's true. But but uh you know supplies are limited. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. And I think I've already given away 80% of them because people are just <laughs> so, so um ask me what we did last night. Uh I don't know. You were sending me emails at midnight asking to start the show with no music, so I assumed you were drunk. Um <laughs> so what'd you do last night, pal? Well, first of all, before <laughs> I divulge what we did, I just felt a little bit creative. So given the turmoil in the world, no, I thought we had concluded we were going to try and take a lighter touch this week. So I thought to be creative, we would start a cold open, no. skip the music and just start talking like two guys no. in the in the diner. But no, network. No. Network veto that and uh, to sleep on it. We said to sleep on it. I think that was the instruction. Like if anyone that's listened to the show knows that the pushback on MB's bad ideas patented <laughs> by E.G. Fisher is say, OK, Doc, why don't you sleep on it? OK, so it's really simple. It's not a hard no. So why don't we Spe sleep on that? <laughs> Speaking of sleeping on it, I thought the podcast taping was scheduled for one thirty. I was sleeping Insane. literally on the floor in my dressing room because Cheryl has decided she's uh, Jason Tullis incarnate. And since <laughs> I don't walk as fast as her, I now every day have to run around the circle in my driveway or as Fiona calls it, Morris's racetrack. Right, the racetrack. Good. So we can yeah, come so, over. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm having to run which you know if how how old am i i forget 63 something. dude i said to i said to my father the other day i said to my mother i said i don't care what the news says about uh additives because my mother and father have never drank a drop of liquor like they drink diet pepsi they don't drink coffee my mother have tea at night but the old man drank diet pepsi probably like i don't know two or three cans a day all right yeah. i said to my mother the other night i said i've never seen pop run I've never in my life seen the old man run and he is 78 and fit as a fiddle. Okay. Right. He fit as a fiddle went into the doctor and the doctor said, you got the heart of a 50 year old, sir. What do you do? And the old man said, I chase it. I chase the grandkids. He goes, you don't exercise. He says never a day in my life. Okay. So the secret Jeez. to living, the secret to living to 80, not do is, is drink a couple of diet Pepsis and never, ever, ever exercise. Okay. Your right. body is made to run from a lion. That's it. OK, really? you're not made to run for two hours. It's bad for your knees. It's bad for your ankles. Your body was molded to escape the lion. And that's it. I got it. OK, okay. well, you well, really there, got to Cheryl. There's no lions over there in the in the Golden Triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to answer the question on everyone's lips, what did old Chestnut do last night? Cheryl and I. And Travis and his wife, we went to the monster truck show. No, Bridgeport. you did not. No, you did not. No, you did not. Seven o'clock in Bridgeport? 
hard on my hand. Dude, you could have come. Did you bring headphones? Earplugs, yeah. What are you like mad now? Yeah, I am, dude, because Fiona wanted to go. Okay. And I was. Oh, you good... do not want her going. To I the... know. I know. I know how loud it is. I know it's, how. It's got noisy. nothing to do with the loud. The okay. crowd? The crowd? Yeah. No. First of all, as a Jew, I've never <laughs> felt safer in my life than at the Monster Truck Show in Bridgeport, Connecticut. If anyone's looking to kill Jews, that's the last place they're going. <laughs> the reason I don't think you should take her, and of course, you yeah. raise your children however you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your daughter will decide to give up every other aspiration in life other than to drive these monster trucks because <laughs> the women I know the chick way, are way better than the men at this. The it's woman the that drives Gravedigger. I know a you Gravedigger. How the yeah. fuck do you know this? Dude, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm in the, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you went to Monster Jam. My buddy Timmy O'Reilly brought the boys, and Timmy says, "I said, are you going to?" Because I almost I was this close to bring her to the one o'clock, but I know how loud it is, and I know how the fumes are bad indoors. So I said, "Sweetheart, I'll bring you to MetLife next summer when we can bring your brother. Your brother's one." I can't bring the baby to the monster trucks. All right. I brought him to Lime Rock Park for the car racing and that was too loud. But the monster truck show, dude, I looked at the tickets. Number one, $90 per person. What did, did you pay 90 bucks to see the monster truck? Are you fucking, is that what I did? Not yes. Yes. That's Cheryl. That's, that's, that's Cheryl. I, it was 88 bucks and they want anything with a pulse. So I would have had to pay for Fiona and EG and myself. So I cringed at the ticket and I said, eh. I said, but I said, look, sweetheart, I'll bring you to MetLife next summer. It's outdoors. We'll go on a nice sunny May day and you can watch the trucks. Dude, I'm already in trouble with the monster trucks because she watches like learning TV. And one of the things is Blaze and AJ and it's a monster truck character. And she's oh, no. four years old. So she's oh, already obsessed with monster trucks. It's oh, no. monster trucks and trains. Okay. I was supposed to do it to the son, but I, I'm a learning father and I did it to the daughter. The good news is she won't go to college. She'll <laughs> learn a trade. No she'll kidding. become an electrician. She'll make, she'll make $175 an hour. No kidding. Versus these kids coming out of school protesting and getting a job as a sociologist making 48 grand a year Dude, sociology majors good job good job art majors good job what are you guys gonna do please i mean i was an english major at least i i gave myself some outs like english at least english you can you know it's something with a straight face but when you when you show up oh i'm an art history major oh okay well unless you work as like a graphic designer or what do you i mean Dude, the college, the college racket is is seems to be unraveling. Um, because the kids have not painted themselves in a wonderful light in the last uh, in the last week. They said something about. Remember, somebody said it like how there was always one kid in the class that was like a total liberal, like nut job, and they were like, "Well, now that's every kid in the class at college." Is you've, you've really cut into a, you've cut into a real vein with me in that. Um. You know, being a free market guy, you get your money, you do what you want with it, right? But the government gets involved by charging you taxes. And they incentivize different behaviors by making laws. So in my case, I 
use those laws to invest money to pay as little in taxes as possible. One thing you can do is you can give money to charity, which at this point gives me an opportunity to say our auction is now closed. We reached $475,000. All I'm at liberty to discuss now is the general nature of the gifts. So about 65% went to healthcare research. Um, and the balance went to a uh, protector of outdoor wildlife organization and then a, um, a political action committee, which is got a bias towards Israel. Now, so the bidding is over. The one little element is it's going to be difficult to find a mutually agreed upon date for us all to have lunch, but I will try and make that happen before we head west. Um, I want to make, uh, I know we claim to be apolitical here, but at this point, I think it's important to make a note. Um, uh, you're familiar with there, there has been a number of uh, posters taped up that talk about the hostages that have been kidnapped. I do. So um, a friend of the show, Ed Sheets, uh, was contacted by a friend of his, and the friend asked if Ed wouldn't mind using his influence in the outdoor billboard uh, arena, which Ed is a denizen of, and apparently Ed uh, was able to get many of these uh, posters up on electronic billboards, including, if I have my facts correct, remember this is based upon a true story, uh, Times Square. Whoa! So if it's okay with you, as a, a way of saying thank you from all of us at Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut, I'd like to offer Ed a complimentary invitation to the charity lunch at my house. The The good news is it will certainly get through the two bottles of Harlan Estate. And <laughs> that takes a lot of pressure off me. So I'm assuming you're okay with that. If we yeah, could. I love hanging out with Ed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Ed's more Ed, fun than you. <laughs> duh. <laughs> Everybody's more fun than me. I mean, you're going to bed, you're going to bed at ten. Ed and I are going out. <laughs> um, Dude, that's amazing. He's got the big billboard in L.A. too. He's got that big one. Did he did he get the L.A. one? I don't, I don't care. He got Times I, Square. I, I'm not sure. Send him a note. He'll wow, do the very it, impressive. Very but it was it was so um, it was so impressive. Even uh, you know, Cheryl was, you know, yeah. Cheryl was. Uh, close to tears kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, incredible. But, uh, we had dinner with Ed and uh, his uh, life partner, Tina, up in the restaurant in New Canaan called The Elm, mm -hmm. which I, I like very much. I would go there regularly with uh, Ted Shaker and we would get the uh, the cheeseburgers. Mm -hmm. They did something rather peculiar. I You have, you have uh, 
contacts in the restaurant business. Maybe you can explain this to me. But if you ordered an iced tea, they would come out with this contraption that had like an iced tea in a funnel and you would pour hot water through it and the hot water would go through the funnel into a bottle with ice. So it would make the tea cold, mm -hmm. but it, it would dilute it because the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always seemed a little confounded by that. And by the way, this restaurant, the Elm, that that uh, singer you're very fond of, what's it, Miley Cyrus? What's her yes. name? Yeah, Wrecking Ball, Miley Cyrus. No, uh, the one with the red lips. Katy Perry. No, the one in. Uh, I've I'm a, the, I've the turned against her. I've turned against her. Taylor Swift. She's got some big meathead boyfriend now. Oh, because she had she had lunch or dinner at that restaurant the other day. Did she or was that a hoax? Because I heard it was a hoax. I heard she was not there. Listen, I have I have to be careful because I've been accused of providing disinformation, and so <laughs> I'm just going to say. Do your own research. Okay. Right. Um, but, you know, we had talked recently about New York restaurants, which obviously is on the cutting edge of what matters right now. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world has got things going on that, you know, they'll mm -hmm. be okay. Um, but remember you had asked me the name of the Italian restaurant that I had gone to with, and it, it's Elio's on oh. the Upper East Side. Okay. And, um. I think it's great, but I want to be clear that there's an element of it to me that it's greatness is it reminds me of my father's favorite restaurant in Chicago called Gene and Giorgetti's, which I, heard you talk about I, that, think yeah. it, I think it still exists, although it's probably not the same sort of thing. But um, my father, when he was a bachelor, he'd eat there like five nights a week, which explains why at 46, he died of a heart attack. But um, in any event, I remember going there from the time, you know, I was zero, basically. Yeah. And uh, we had the same waiter, Vincenz. And, you know, in perfect, in perfect role, he would never really say anything. He would just walk up to the table kind of put his knuckles on the table, lean over. He'd be looking at the room, but you could tell he was listening to you. Pro, pro. And just, and just you know, you'd say what you want, and you'd kind of nod. And, yeah, dude, and, old uh, school, yeah. Old school, right. And then um, this was sort of an emotional moment for me. So, you know, my dad died in, uh, I think, August 31st, 1979. And so... Uh, I don't know, several months later, I was home from college and I went there with my mother. I don't think Mark was there. I think he might have been at college. I'm not sure whether, I, I think Amy might have been there. But Vince comes over and he kind of does this thing and he leans over the table and he looks around and gives us mm -hmm. the shrug. And, and my mom said, I, you know, Maury passed. And you could tell it just nodded and we went on and we ordered dinner. But for me, the rite of passage was when 
dinner was over and the bill came, okay, Vince handed me the paper check with the back side up and on it, he put a pen, which meant I now had a house account. All I had to do was write my name and sign it and they would send me the bill. And that was sort of a rite of passage to me, which I I was I was quite taken. Yeah, uh, understandably uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Not quite as dramatic, but maybe more impressive was when I was invited to get a Peter Luger credit card, which I could probably, I don't want to do it because it'll make all sorts of noise, but it's probably in one of the desk drawers here. The problem with going to Peter Luger now is you go there and you get home, you become a cappuccino machine for about an hour. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it hasn't been good in a long time. Uh, uh, so we'll take that off the yeah yeah. The, but but moving on because I know people aren't here to hear about our restaurant reviews. We need to talk about Danny Meyer. Yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So in case you missed the last episode or two, we had a, a horrific um, uh, experience at the Gramercy Tavern. The service was bad, and the, you know the whole thing. And for for me, uh, a spoiled brat who's been going out to restaurants since he was one years old, and by the way, had manners beaten into me. Right? It, it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't at the table. But when I got home, man, if I had used the wrong spoon or the the finger bowl debacle. Yeah, yeah, with the lemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It left a mark, right? Um, so bad service just it just ruins the experience uh, for me. Um, so the Gramercy Tavern thing uh, was a bit of a setback, and we uh, uh, at that point denoted him um, uh, excommunicado. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, However, the story continues because my very good friend, uh, Michael Berry, who I dine with monthly, uh, he is in the business of hotel restaurant construction. So he's out three nights a week trying different restaurants. Uh, He knows many of the chefs. And so I get drug along as because it, you Mm -hmm. know. Or fun. It's it's a nice evening. Yeah. So um, he knows that during the COVID, Danny Meyer did this thing where if you prepaid, you got twice. So for instance, I put up, I don't know, 1500 bucks, but I got three grand accredited as restaurants yeah yeah i figured everyone wins right he gets the cash flow i know you know gramercy tavern union square cafe shake shack blah 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 blah. okay so michael suggested we go to danny meyer's restaurant in lower manhattan right near the fed it's called manhattan perhaps yeah 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 okay so um super high end right manahatta manahatta yeah, yeah. Like super old- high end yep. yeah um excommunicado off the list f. f no way f in fact i'm afraid we're gonna have to um 
deconsecrate the whole empire, empire. Let me explain why, if 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 you care. Oh, I totally care. So the bill comes after Michael had been treated rudely. Dude, dude, uh, stop. Did you let me let me hear what you tell me back up. So you, you what was the food even good? So it's so you got a two, so it's the two of you, and and they had it, they struggled with the two of you at the to the point where he was rude. So the building in the very popular financial district across from the Federal Reserve, right? Mm-hmm. It's pitch black. There's there's those wood horse barriers everywhere. Yeah. So yep. there's only one way to get to the building. Yeah. And I know why they grabbed this building. Because it's an office building and they got cheap space. Okay. Yep. So you go up to the top where the restaurant is and it has a pretty nice view. Yep. So as is our habit, we may have a seven o'clock dinner reservation, but we like to get there a half hour early and, and have a cocktail without being rushed okay well they wouldn't let michael go up to the top to the bar to wait for me because our reservation yeah then he gets up to the top and there's no place to sit so they won't let him order a drink and then he says well that table's dirty if you clean it i can sit there and wait and they're like well your name's not on the list come on dude this is before we even sit down to dinner. Okay. Yep, yep. So now you know I'm I'm in a bad mood. Right. right. I mean my, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. We haven't well, sat down and, and you're already bent. <laughs> yeah. And rightfully so. It's not fucking hard. As a person intimately familiar with the restaurant business, what has the biggest profit? Oh, the bar by far. Yeah. yeah. So you're not gonna sell a seventeen dollar drink? Fools. Fools. Okay. Yeah. So we sit down and uh, the bill comes. And food good? Get t- the food wasn't even worth talking about? I don't even remember. I love it. I love it. I, I don't, because first of all, getting to this place was a fucking shit show. Okay. You you take an, it, it's, it's got the ambience of getting to like, um, is it per se the one that's in, uh, the mall mm-hmm. Columbus mm-hmm. Circle. Yeah. Yep, yep. You're gonna go yes. to a dinner, it's gonna be three hours. You walk through a shopping mall. Ah. Talk about talk about you know, yes, I know what you mean, for, dude. Blue ribbon, cold. you walk in, boom, you're eating. Like the, the ambiance is because yeah, I've read I remember reading the review, like Danny Meyer's new spot, it hyped the view, all like the, the pro photos look great. But number one, you gotta be uh you know, you, you need to navigate your way there, you need to orienteer your way there, and then they're gonna be surly to you down in the financial district, you know. They got a lot of balls. So it's so uh Byzantine down there. Um, you know, since I hurt my back, off camber cobblestone streets with holes in them are a little tough to navigate yeah. for me, especially when there's no lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dave had to help me walk around the block, not like help me, but just yeah. sort of guide me because I was now keep in mind, I worked down there for a zillion years, right? <laughs> anyway we get there and we go through all this brouhaha and we have dinner and then i go to pay and um they don't take it 
they're like, oh, we're not part of that. I'm Stop like, it. Excuse me? No, no, that's Danny Meyer's this or that. I'm like, hang on. You mean when Danny Meyer was broke out of cash and I fronted him 1500 bucks on the promise that I could use it as any of his restaurants now, not, you know, now I'm like, okay, fine. You know what? He needs the money more than me. So Dan, look, I met you once, maybe twice. You seem like a real nice guy, but you know what? You took your eye off the ball and over here it inside baseball with old chestnut we hold people to a higher standard and i'm really it's really I'm painful a, for me um danny meyer is a trinity college graduate and also he is a member you, of my yeah. fraternity and my chapter he is alpha delta phi trinity phi cap trinity okay so one of the luminaries of my of my literary society danny meyer has now been dragged down into the gutter by fucking up you fucked up gramercy tavern okay which was the crown jewel of manhattan it was fantastic dude you fucked up uh union square cafe whatever the other one that he went full vegan you botched that danny you hit a whole vegan yeah, yeah, there's no you never meaning. go full retard. Exactly, exactly. And now it pains me to do so. But now you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna screw Morris at your new flagship down at the financials. Do you know who this man is? Do you know? Yeah, do you know who I am? I'm the t shirt guy. Do you know how critical of an error this is with the with the trillions of dollars of assets under management that listens to this show, okay? With literally, Danny, I will show you the statistics. We do a bigger number in lower Manhattan than anywhere else. It's man, it's it's Manhattan by far, and then Washington, D.C. So, the, Danny, these are the people that are listening. This is your customer base. These are hundreds of people that would go into that restaurant after work down from Wall Street that now have heard you got a bunch of fucking assholes working there. <laughs> hey, you know, you said he went to Trinity. Yep. Uncle, Uncle Mark would ask the question, did you ever see the diploma? <laughs> I mean, those with, I mean, like when, when you point fingers, there's four pointing back at you. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that. Okay. So, so, you know, I was doing a little uh, self-analysis because offline for a while, I've been complaining to you about, I'm tired of paying for this research because they're just wrong yet. They don't understand that they're wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, we had talked about starting the show with Golden Age because of what the lead metal had done. And um, I did want to talk about that. One of the newsletters that I'm going to let lapse um, has been making a prediction that gold prices were going to go up. I think it's going on three years now. And uh, it, it, it is indeed higher. Um Roughly around the same time, they asked the question, do you own enough silver? Okay. I don't think silver's back to where it was when they asked, but yet they won't, they won't consolidate the two calls, which is sort of something you had mentioned to me, which is writing about it 
versus experience it. And that's that's kind of the thing that's starting to to hit me a little bit. Um, I was reviewing our show. Uh, we had a couple of critical comments and I wanted to understand. And so I went through and looked at kind of the broad brush of what we've talked about. So I think the most noticeable one would be the prediction that uh, you can't have a clown DJ running a major investment bank. And all of a sudden, oddly enough, DJ Sal, um, this, I, I like, let me, let me run with this for a minute. So DJ Sal finally gets shamed into giving up the gig, not because it was causing him trouble at work, but because of all the media attention that he was getting. And, <laughs> and not long after that, I believe you sent me a stock chart that showed Goldman Sachs at its 52-week low. Okay. Now, you will recall I had at some point mentioned stocks are supposed to be the present value of all future cash flows. And the fact that it, it was making new highs, you know, you had to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, the work you do today is what you reap the benefits tomorrow. And the reason Goldman Sachs is now, at, did you say 52-week lows or something like that? It's pretty simple. It's because he gave up being a DJ. He's going to spend more time at work. And what did he lose? $3 billion or something like that? I I don't get it. I, You know, Wall Street traditionally makes the mistake of taking the guys who make a lot of money and promoting them to management. Now, I'm an example of that, which is, look what happened there, right? But I don't know that he ever made any money. And now you got a guy who's going to devote full time to something he sucks at. <laughs> what do you like better? you like trading better or managing? Oh, trading. Man, man, managing is just... I... I the only reason you ever manage is so someone doesn't manage you. That is the only reason. Trading, and this goes back to the writing, the people who write, you know? And and so one of these guys, I, I'm not going to mention any names because I, I just don't, they're, they're, they're nice enough people. I, I don't think they have the skill set to understand that, you know, talk is talk. But um, uh, the beauty of trading is there's no debate. You, you The number is the number. And when you don't trade, and keep in mind, trading is not for everybody. And you, you can have your your own opinions and uh you know uh that doesn't mean you can't add value but you can't pretend to be a writer of financial markets and not do the mea culpa when week after week you shit the bet so for instance we go back to the lead metal and I wanted to talk about this the other week. And uh, 
you waved me off, which was probably good. But in the in interim, one of these newsletters came up with some strategy about if you're in a bull market for stocks, you own stocks. If you're in a bear market for stocks, you own gold. Yep, up, up, up. And of course, you know, they never met a back test they didn't like, right? Uh, AKA curve fitting. So I wrote the, the author a question. I said, so you've run the analysis of owning gold versus this or owning gold versus that. I said, what cost of storage have you assigned to owning gold? Surprisingly, I didn't get a return. Uh, I didn't get a reply. And the reason I ask is, you know, to the simpleton who writes a report and says, well, if you don't gold here, blah, 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 you know, that's that's great. To, to quote one of my early mentors, John Eckstein, when I asked him about trade and treasury bills, I said, John, how can you make any money trading treasury bills. He said, Morris, if you trade 5 million of them, they're treasury bills. If you trade a billion of them, they're like anything else. So if you're going to have a meaningful amount of gold, okay, and I went so far down this rabbit hole of gold at one point, I've had guys who write these newsletters tell me things like there's a conspiracy to depress the price of gold. There isn't the ETFs don't hold the gold they pretend to hold. Okay. So I like that one. I like that. I like that one. That's a good. So <laughs> here we are. They say in a time of crisis, hold gold. Okay. So I don't remember the numbers exactly, but to have a million dollars worth of gold, I, I, do the math, but I want to, my, my memory is it's like 300 pounds. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, how, how are you going to, I know. Well, Bob Menendez, the great, the, 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 the esteemed Senator from the great state of New Jersey, Bob Menendez kept his gold bars in his freezer. Okay. And he okay. had a bunch of like Hershey, Hershey chocolate sized gold bars in the freezer. Yeah. Okay? yeah. But oh, it was like, right. you can get them. <laughs> Dude, it was like 400 grand worth of gold, like two Hershey bars. <laughs> like, yeah, but if you're a real asset manager. I yeah, I know. Okay. But so when they talk about, and this is why, you know, some of these old books that I talk about, and I can get it if you don't want to put the time in. But the one that comes to mind right now is the one about Satan's bushel. Yeah, of course. And it... it it's an okay book, but the, the salient point is they compare and contrast guys standing in the bean pit trading 5,000 bushels at the wink of an eye, and they take you to the farmer with his wagon to the grain elevator, and the hours it takes to negotiate, you know, whether it's number one or number two or number three, mm -hmm. and in the wheat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have to realize that if you're like in the real world, you have to deal with these things. So let's say you decide you, you need a ton of gold. And by the way, I, I, 
it probably means gold's just going up, I, you know, for whatever, fine. But if you're only owning gold for safety reasons, you know, let's assume the gold ETF is good. I don't know. But let's say you decide it's not and you want to take personal possession of gold. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you go pick it up, where are you going to put it? Oh, well, let's say I got plenty of room here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Put it in the basement. Well, what happens if a bunch of guys decide one day when we're in Arizona, they come and take all the gold? Not good. Um, well, but in their analysis, like the Bitcoin analysis, where they don't adjust for loss due to theft, mm -hmm. um, you get a very different result. And in speaking extemporaneously, I, I remember the, I think it was the biography of J.P. Morgan. And he, you know, ruled Wall Street, I think probably to even a, a much greater degree than Jamie Dimon did. But um, that was back in a time where they would have um, many banking crises. So what would happen? People would run to the bank, they get their cash out, they take their cash, go, they go home, and guess what would happen? The crime rate in New York exploded. Why? Because everyone's walking around with a lot of cash. So, you know, when you get into the writing of the newsletter and pontificating about how, you know, we've got assets that are fragile, We've got assets that are anti-fragile. Yeah, good for you. I don't need to spend 10 grand a year. I like this newsletter, Daily Shot. Yeah. I think it's 100 bucks or 200 bucks, something like that. And I've discovered, is it sort of the, that uh, phrase, Occam's razor? Like the simplest explanation is usually the best. So um, I've kind of gotten to where um, I've decided after reading that Howard Marks memo that's got a lot of press, you know, equities are stories, like you said, right? Bonds are contracts. And part of the deal with the bond being a contract is if, if, the equity that's ahead uh, or behind, depending how you want to phrase it, in the credit stack of the bond, if the company goes out of business, the bondholders get all the equity. You can't say for free because they, they paid for their bonds, but, you know, and, and Howard Marks's point, if you expect the returns of high yield to be, eight, nine, ten percent, and you expect the returns on equities to be eight, nine, ten percent, you know, absent dividend reinvestment and all sorts of other little idio uh sync yeah idiosync idi idiosyncrasies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That happen um you know like stock buybacks and coupon reinvestment and, and all of that. Uh, you know, from a macro perspective, you can understand why 
bonds are all of a sudden getting to be a little bit more of the of the topic du jour. Made the cover of Barons. They made the cover of Barons uh, this weekend. As yeah, I was not excited about that. That's the cover of Sports Illustrated. Unless unless it's the cover of Sports Illustrated with Martha Stewart on it, which (laughs) I don't know how that one. Please, please. I mean, you know, older women are beautiful. I find her more attractive every time I see her. How about that? I find her more attractive. I follow her on Instagram. She looks better by the day. It's the technology. She's just riding her horse up in Bedford. She's working in the garden, throwing lavish dinners, making it look easy. Yeah, hanging out with Snoop. You guys should hang out and eat some gummies together. You and Martha would get on famously. I get on with everyone. I know. That's, That's what I mean. Like, you and Martha might, you know, she's she's actually a she's a convicted inside trader. So you got to keep keep your distance. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I uh going back to the puts um after I had read the um uh Howard Marks letter, the puts uh were at a level that I exited and just because it's full disclosure. I made a small amount of money enough to provide me and my family a very um, pleasant vacation. There, there was no home run grand slam. Uh, and by the way, had I waited, <laughs> but uh, we proceed. What, but, what if you had waited? What if you had kept them on? How, like, are you kicking yourself about that a little bit? No, I, you know, I'm too old. I, I try kicking myself. I just fall. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, the, the reason is this. Um, I'm one of these guys. I don't ever remember the winners. All I remember is fucking this up and fucking that up. And, and uh, I think part of that is important when you trade because the second you get lost in your own genius, it's like you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for disaster is an example. What market do I tell everyone to avoid? Oh, the munis. Good market. Well, number one, I'm going munis out the ass. Number two, I've gotten fucking eviscerated. (laughs) If, I have lost a fucking king's ransom being along these fucking munis. And I tell you what, it's awesome. I love it. It's just like, look in the mirror. I'm like, you're a loser. Just say it. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't um, I didn't prepare it. Uh, I might be able to find it. I'm going to try something and see. Have a good it. weekend, folks. <laughs> okay. No, that one didn't work. I have my muni portfolio. Somewhere mm. on this computer, and what I wanted here it is. What I wanted to bring up was um, the yields. Okay, here we go. So I'm not going to mention any particular names or even that they're munis. I'm just going to talk about some yields. So if I can find one thing, okay, these are the yields on the list of the bonds I own. And I say yield, as you know, I like to use yield to worst, meaning if they're called early. But the first one is uh, rated AAA, uh, 5.876. So that's tax-free. Mm-hmm. Then uh, 5.98, 5.54, 5. 
three, all triple tax free or double tax free, triple A rated. We get into the some of the non-rated bonds, but we've done the credit research on um, six and three quarters, zero coupon, legitimately backed by, you know, defeasance and tracks receipts. Yep, yep. How how bad are you going to get hurt owning a zero coupon muni at, you know, that rate and and so being unlevered um i i i feel pretty comfortable i'd prefer they were at a profit just because my ego would feel less diminished but the fact is as anthony peters likes to point out and uh um who is that other guy Oh, uh, there was this fellow named John Biggs I used to play golf with, who was president of TIAA Kreft. Yeah, you may yeah. have you may have heard of them. Yeah, he used to tell me he loved rising interest rate environments because he was constantly getting thrown long cash, and a rising rate environment made it easier for him to invest. So, oh, anyway, wow. interesting. I knew the S and P puts the logic being that. If the economy um, did well, the 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 stocks would uh, rally. According to that GDP number, according to the GDP number, uh, <laughs> the economy is doing great. Yeah, it, and it it could well be. That's um, nonsense, dude. What I, a comment. yeah. Go ahead. Well, I I had this conversation with life coach and executive producer Leslie Harris. You know, I know crude oil bounced a little bit, but it ain't hundred bucks a barrel. It's in the seventies, right? Okay, crude oil. I've been told is a demand-driven product, so uh, you know, I wonder about that. I haven't checked the price of copper, although I've heard it discussed. I think the price of copper has not been behaving well, and Copper is one of these industrial metals that is used in everything. And um, we've called it the metal with the PhD. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. start lining these things up and uh, you add in the fact that we still have, by many of these analysts, uh, Torsen Slock. Mm-hmm. I know that's a household name, especially at your house. Um, he's, I think, said that the effective actual federal funds rates closer to 7%. Uh, I believe the morgue in one of their newsletters recently said that's JP Morgan. It's, it's an old, it's a joke when you were in short pants. Um, <laughs> said there's a lot of financial headwinds. Financial conditions are very restrictive. Again, uh, I continue uh, so far unsuccessfully to buy into the Lacey Hunt. You know, we're going to have deflation. But you have financial conditions are still restrictive. Um, the Fed's balance sheet, and I wrote it down, and now I'm never going to find it, but the Fed's balance sheet continues to decline, which is an unwinding 
of the quantitative uh, easing, right? And along with that, you saw um, the yield curve uh, continue to disinvert. Getting there. So um, I know you wanted to, at some point, briefly touch on the basis trade. But before we do that, um, what's happening, at least the last few days, the long end, meaning the bonds, they've gone down and the curve has disinverted or steepened. Okay. For futures contracts, that's the worst. Like that makes that futures contract a very difficult thing to manage. Um, Of course, uh, we'll leave that to you to uh, figure out why. That might be a good think piece for Kevin Muir. Um, But you had asked me what the big deal about the basis trade is. And, uh, you know, I thought a bit about it. A little disappointed. No one's reached out for my advice. But I guess, you know, it's hard to get through to me these days with the level of staffing that we have. But um, the basis trade is a highly, highly, highly levered trade. But there's a reason for that. It's because in the government bond market, which is where the bulk of the biggest basis trading takes place, the movements between the relative issues are very, very small. So you had a huge day on Friday and the two-year note moved two and a quarter, 30 seconds of a percent. So that's something like i hate doing math in my head but that's like two six it might be six cents uh per million what yeah it's yeah 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 yeah, something like that and uh so you gotta move a lot of six cents on a million (laughs) now i understand if you're levered 50 to one, it's not six cents. It's it's 30 cents or something like that, but it's still not outright. You, you, you have a long and a short. So if one moves by six cents and the other moves by four and a half cents, that's one and a half cent on a million, even levered at 50 to one. Right. Okay. So, um, you can get into Byzantine situations where the the um, basis trade can can create some problems. But what people fail to mention is what a basis trader does is he will be long or short the futures and then long or short some form of equivalent security. Okay. They don't talk about the fact that the basis traders are doing nothing more than reacting to the relative cheapness or richness of the futures contract. So let, let me explain a little bit more specifically. Basis trader walks in. His first inclination is, isn't just to put the basis trade on. It's like, well, what's cheap and what's rich? Well, if the futures are cheap because everyone's hedging their interest rates, well, 
there's a reason they're cheap. Someone's selling a synthetic U.S. Treasury. Okay. So the basis trader goes and he buys the future and then he hedges it up using some sort of similar security. And now that's the real reason futures contracts exist to shift risk. One of uh, Peter's laws is risk cannot be destroyed. It can only be transferred. Okay. Um, so the, the, Personal worried about rising rates has transferred the risk to the the futures contract. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. If the futures contract didn't exist, that person either couldn't hedge their risk, or they'd use an interest rate swap, which they would say pay on a swap. That's the vernacular, or they would find a treasury security to short. The, it's not like the, you get rid of the basis trade, you make the problem go away. There, These things exist for a reason. Now, as a traditionally trained market denizen, you know, you can't have a market of just hedgers. Mm -hmm. You can't have a market of just speculators. You have to have a market of many different participants because it's they all come together to create a fair price. And I, I'm not doing a great job of explaining this, but to say the treasury basis trade is a problem, it's just simple-minded. Yep. And it's a little bit like listening to that um, Looney Tunes, Kathy Wood, trying to explain to investors, this is great, this is better, then the quote, blowjobs aren't sex, okay? If you buy our stock, we have plenty of capital loss carry forwards to offset your future gains. Who the fuck says that? <laughs> oh my God, do I look that dumb? Yeah. Am I really that fucking dumb? Uh. And, and the one that got swept under the rug, but we here at Ibwok like to get out the magnifying glass, she went on to talk about how many of her stocks are doing poorly because the bond market got hurt. And once the bond market turns around, which she expects, the stock should do better, which to me begs the question, if you're expecting 35% compound annual growth, what difference does it make if the 10-year note yields 4% or 6%. <clears throat> you can't answer because there is there is no answer. It's it's like the 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 person with the big L painted yeah. on their forehead. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. Have we your is, you get your curve is getting close though. You're 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 inverted you close. It, they're working yeah. on creeping yeah. along, creeping steeping. How about that little two year note? Chugging along at 5.004. I'm waiting for all the thank you notes. Nope, not coming. Not coming. Fiona, come here. Roshin. She's gonna she's gonna be pissed. Guess where more come here. Guess where Morris went last night. Hey, sweetie. He went and saw the monster trucks. Yeah. 
We're going to go this summer. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Morris went and saw the monster trucks and they were really loud and really fast and really noisy. I'll send you some pictures, okay? okay. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Get the other one out of here. All right, buddy. Um I guess time you're on duty, huh? Yeah, it's time. I'm gonna yeah, I got an hour worth of monster truck discussions to have now. <laughs> don't forget to happened. don't forget to punch in. Okay. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll see you next week. T-shirts are here, folks. You heard the instructions. There you go. There Inside you go. Baseball Cast at Gmail. Inside Baseball Cast at Gmail. By the two-year, folks. <laughs> Take care, pal. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Be well. Bye.